Welcome to the Property Chit Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Louise Roke, where I talk about everything and anything property. Today, I'm speaking to Grant Patton from Loan Market. Hey, Grant, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. Listen, Grant, there's been a lot of talk about borrowing for different sort of homes, ones that literally may not have a, well, they may be non-compliant, they might not have a certificate of compliance, or they could be under that, you know, we do bandy it around in New Zealand, leaky home, even though they might not necessarily be leaky, but that type of monolithic um, plaster sort of type home. So what I'm trying to get at today, there's probably a lot of people out there who are looking to maybe purchase um, an opportunity of one of those homes or um, a non-compliant home. So can you get money for those homes? And if you can, how? What do you need? Absolutely. There's a variety of different scenarios you can use. Um, When it comes to the monolithic clad homes, particularly your plaster homes built between 1990 and 2006, your main bank lenders will require a a, a building report, weather tightness report and that to lend on them. Provided they come back clear, then you will be able to go with a main bank. Where a property is clearly leaky or has unconsented works, it may be an option to go and look at an alternative non-bank lender um, who will secure the the lending of that property against the current value or even the value of the land um, within there. And that then enables them to lend against that and gives you the money to do the work to actually bring it up to standard or code. Right. What about if it's a property that has, you know, it looks pretty good and... Um, it's just got some things on there that haven't been signed off. Uh, I guess with these properties, it it will um, vary from lender to lender. Um, You can provide different things. You can provide a vendor warranty to remedy prior to settlement. Um, There is some lenders that will allow you to do a purchaser warranty to have it remedied within three to four months post-settlement. They are becoming a little bit more harder to get and it will depend on on the problem. When anything involves plumbing or electrical, uh, the banks are a lot more stricter. So unconsented bathrooms or bathrooms that have been moved, the lenders will require a lot more stringent uh, application of the rules with oh, those that's things. interesting. So basically, who are doing these checks on that? So effectively, the lender will check... Um, the disclosure on the sale and purchase, anything on the limb that may be noted. Um, they check the title, particularly on cross-lease properties. We have a lot of cross-lease properties in New Zealand. So they will do all those checks and then they will request the information from the purchaser uh, and then it's up to the purchaser to prove it to the lender that the property is is okay to lend against. And you've just brought up a really good subject actually, which is cross-lease properties. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> Okay, because what this is a whole other thing, isn't it? Because when when was it that everybody decided to do these cross lease properties in Auckland? I mean, is it all of New Zealand, or is well, it just primarily? It Auckland? is across most of the main centres of New Zealand. Yes, Certainly, yes. It, it doesn't apply to rural properties so much. But Auckland is a is a plethora of cross lease yeah. and uh, leasehold type properties. Yes, um, because that was just the easiest way for people to do it uh, before you know before now. Um, so it is becoming more common that their titles are freehold or people are trying to freehold the titles. But yeah, cross leases have their own uh, pitfalls for people who, and particularly buyers. 
So I guess when a buyer is looking at a property that is a cross-lease property, they need to make sure that there's nothing on that title that is outside that flat's plan. Absolutely. So they need to consult their lawyer. Uh, This is where the lawyers become imperative and you should have a good lawyer. In fact, before you're even purchasing a property, you should have engaged a lawyer. Yes, and you actually have to now, don't you? That's the thing. Absolutely. So if if you're someone out there who hasn't bought a property before, first of all, you actually do now because of the anti-money laundering, which is AML. Um, You need to get a lawyer before you actually enter into a sale and purchase agreement because it is a requirement now that you do need to have that. Secondly, really, you should have already gone and got your finances sorted because it's a little bit, like I've said before, going shopping without any money in your pocket. So you need to know what you can do. So as far as these cross-lease properties go, sometimes they're not even advertised on the marketing that it is a cross-lease. So you might not necessarily know if you you know if you're not experienced so just ask those questions um so okay so what what happens with um cross leases when they come to you what what do you need to do so what i need to do is send the the sale and purchase to the bank and they'll evaluate the property to see what the proper that the property has no issues um most of the issues that arise around a cross lease are when people have made additions to the property decks, pergolas, carports, uh, and closing carports to make them garages. Can um, I just ask you a question, Grant? Do you actually look at the photos on the listing as well as look at... Because obviously, if you're looking at one document and you're not actually seeing the property, you can't actually see, oh, actually in the photo there, it looks like there's a deck. Because sometimes when you're looking at the photos, you you see that there's a deck, and then when you look at the flats plan, you're thinking, oh, actually, that's not on there. Because yeah. how else do people like what I'm saying is it's all right it's all very well for sales consultants and buyers and sellers and all the rest of it because we're looking at the property, but the lawyers aren't looking at the property as such, and you guys haven't seen the property necessarily, and the banks haven't. So what I'm trying to work out is how much investigation is going on to actually see it. So in my case, I definitely look at the photos um, that are provided. Just do a little thing of applause here for Grant. <laughs> Um, because otherwise, quite often, the bank will look at the photos okay, as well. Okay, that's what I was wondering. And so it's there's nothing worse than me putting something in and not having the knowledge and having the bank come back to me and ask the question. So it's about being prepared. Um, there is often nothing wrong with most cross-leases, and it, and, and it really comes down to a lawyer's interpretation of the flats plan. Um, so there's plenty of reasons to not worry about cross-leases. No, that's right. And we're certainly not um, saying there's anything wrong about cross-leases. It's just that... I just want to point out that some buyers just need to know what they are buying and also some sales consultants need to know what they are selling and that includes the vendor as well. So you just need to make sure you know what you are buying and just to investigate some things about it so you can um, get in there. They're definitely definitely more affordable yeah. for, for particularly first home buyers or, or, or yeah. older people who That's are looking right. to downsize. There, there's more affordability in a cross-lease property. Yeah. Um, but and there's some great ones around. And absolutely, and they do provide some security there. Okay, so that is a little bit about cross-lease properties and properties without non-compliance. And what else have you noticed about, okay, leaking homes as we're calling them? And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are leaking, but if somebody comes to you and they've got um, a property they're looking at, is it really just people who have got, money who can go in their cash. I mean, what sort of people should be buying these type of properties or are buying them? Look, I think it depends on the type of property. Um, You know, the banks are open to plaster properties. They already hold them on their book. So that is a big part of the key. 
A lot what, of the what, time. Sorry, what do you mean by that? So, so people, these pro- properties were built and have mortgages held against them oh, I anyway. See. Okay. So the banks are quite open to them, provided we provide them with a nice, stable weather tightness report. Um, or the like. They are a little bit more restrictive for those 10% deposit holders, those deposit holders that are more Low, high. A lower deposit. Yep, absolutely. So, um, you know, they can be more of an issue for those people. But the, it's not all the banks that turn them down. It's not a carte blanche. It's a property by property um, situation where you need to go to someone that understands what the property offers and then can talk to the banks and talk you through the process so that you can look at getting the mortgage. Um, there's plenty of plaster properties out there that are fantastic family home. What are people actually doing with these? Are they buying them and just living them and living in them and seeing what happens or Well the key to any plaster property is maintenance and, and correct maintenance and um, you know these properties will last 50 50, 60, 70 years if they're maintained properly. So correct painting, you know, um, regular washing, the same as you would do with any other property that you would purchase. I guess there's just a stigma attached to monolithic properties yeah. that but creates this and, issue. And didn't it have something to do with some of them had the internal guttering and all that sort of thing? Absolutely. And and those properties built between 1990 and into the early 2000s didn't have the cavity system attached That's to them. That's right. And so any of the properties that now modern built have a cavity system, there's usually no issues with lending against those. And with the other properties, it's just proving that the property is stable and, and is worth lending on. And then 90% of the time, you will get lending on those properties. And you would also need a special um, building report for these properties, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a full weather tightness report, thermal imaging uh, and moisture level readings that sit below uh, the, the regulated level effectively. And if the, if those all come back clear, then the, the bank is likely to lend on those okay. properties. So what's your advice for people who are selling those type of properties? I would suggest that you actually get your own independent uh, moisture and weather tightness report yourself first. Um, you can provide this to, to the uh, potential purchasers. Um, purchasers will always be asked by their banks to get another one. Yes, it's very, very important for any report that you get as a buyer that you need to get your own report as well because that other report has been obviously paid for by the vendor and is their property and you need to get your own one so it's an independent one um, as well. So I just wanted to point that out to people. Yeah, that's very good. I mean, that's a great thing, you know, and, and it gives peace of mind for the vendor and for the purchaser Absolutely. that they've got a couple of reports that come back positive. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's really good advice. Thank you so much. Okay, well, that's Grant Patton from Loan Market, and thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Property Chit Chat. Subscribe to hear all our episodes. If you want further information, visit goodtonic.co.nz and hit the Property Chit Chat tab. Till next time, over and out.